0: Hello and welcome to the Economist Intelligence Unit's Digital Economy podcast. I am your host, Pete Swaby. This podcast is sponsored by DXC, an independent IT services company that specializes in digital transformation. We thank them for their support. Long before the internet, international trade routes were the primary channel for the global spread of information. They've long since been overtaken by international telecommunications networks that today allow packets of data to span the globe in seconds. This has helped open up global markets for goods and services to the extent that individual consumers can now purchase goods from the other side of the planet at the click of a button. This episode of the podcast examines the impact of digitization on trade. In particular, we explore how digital technology is affecting the way goods are shipped around the world, the physical process that underpins the global digital economy. We also examine the impact of e-commerce on global trade and the role of digitization in the growth of trade in services. This month, I'm joined by Martin Holm, Global Head of Supply Chain Management and E-commerce Logistics at shipping giant Maersk, by Jenna Brown, CEO and co-founder of supply chain data management startup ShipperMax, and by my EIU colleague Christopher Clegg, Managing Editor and Global Editorial Lead for Trade and Globalization. I started by asking Martin, what is the current state of digitization in the shipping industry?
1: I think uh, it's fair to say, uh, Pete, that the state of digitalization in the shipping industry is, is really still quite low. Um, it's not uh, uncommon that the cost of processing the paperwork is higher than the cost of actually moving the goods across the world. Uh, at least that's the that's the situation in the container shipping space. Just to give uh, an example, in connection with us designing the, the TradeLens platform uh, a couple of years ago, we gathered all data, such as documents, emails, phone calls, uh, milestone data etc for for a number of shipments um, and and one of these shipments uh, was uh, g- quite typical uh, a, a shipment of, a container of avocados from Kenya to the Netherlands required more than 200 physical documents so uh, so quite a lot of uh, of work on that side uh, having said this it's also clear that the digitalization is now picking up pace uh, there's very high amount of venture capital uh, coming in similar as ahead of digitalization of for instance, the travel industry and, and other industries. And there's there are also a lot of uh, initiatives by the incumbents. Uh, real-time rates are now available. Instant booking confirmations uh, are there by leading players. Uh, and there's a lot of work on uh, on optimization of operations also using uh, digital tools. So it's moving ahead. So uh, if it's not been as fast as you, you might have expected, why, why do you think that is? I think... Uh, it it it's a learning curve and and this industry is uh, has a lot of uh, sort of heavy investments uh, traditionally in uh, in ships and containers and ports and trucks and so on um and and the whole digital side has just not been coming along uh, fast enough um as an example only this year uh, an association was established for Uh, actually agreeing on uh, data standards in in the industry. And and it's also stuff like that that has been missing, that even if you invest, you don't know what the standards are going to be. Everybody's waiting for each other, discussing the standards, and and, and we haven't been moving ahead as fast as we probably could have or, or would have expected. Okay,
0: so so Jenny, you have a slightly different vantage point as a as a starting a startup helping shipping companies with their documents. How would you characterize the state of digitization? Do, would you reflect Martin's comments, or do you have a a different view?
2: Yeah, I think in part I think you can break it down a bit more. So I guess as we're looking at the kind of communication aspect, I think there's a lot of progress been made in um, let's say transactional elements of logistics. So for example. Uh, if you want to book a container with a major shipping line, there are companies like Intra. Um, Or uh, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got end customers uh, booking containers with forwarders. So Flexport, Twill, Kuna Nagel, DB Shanker, all have um, invested a lot in in platforms to make that smoother. But I do agree with Martin that the biggest part kind of up for grabs right now, um, which arguably is the kind of highest volume, is those operational communications. So everything involved in getting something from from A to B. And this is where anecdotally, when we speak to customers, um, freight forwarders, um, most of them have tried something like using an old EDI technology, um, but it's not worked very well because there are no data standards. So what tends to happen is it tends to end up being a very manual process with emails flying around with, with documents attached. And I think that's where it feels still a little bit stuck in the past.
0: Right, and Jenna, your, your company, in fact, Shipperbacks, helps companies with extracting data from the shipping document. So, yeah. so, so what was the opportunity that you saw? What was it told you that a new way was possible? And how open and receptive have you found organizations to, to an alternative approach?
2: Um, yeah, so I mean, we actually started out um, in a in the bulk shipping sector, and we had developed a technology that extracts um, uh, data and structured as it from from email communications there, and we had kind of turned to the freight forwarding industry um, as an additional market, and um, yeah, I think we found it's been in- incredibly receptive um, because again. Most of the problems people have is due to that kind of lack of, of data standards and there is not one way of transmitting information from, from player one to player 25. So if you can build a technology on top of the infrastructure that already exists um, and just kind of plug and play it and feed it back into their internal systems, it, it, it works very well.
0: Uh, and why do you think, because uh, you, you both mentioned this this kind of issue with standards, why do you think there, there haven't been standards in so many other domains? Obviously, this is a, a challenge for all industries to find ways to share information in standard ways, but progress has been made. So so is there a reason you think that this sector has been so far failed to establish uh, standards? Is it for a lack of effort or, or too many efforts?
2: I honestly, I don't think it's possible because... Um I think if you look at any industry where there are really strong data standards, it is, it is a more transactional, um, well, transaction. Um, when you're looking at operational logistics, it's a messy process. And you've got an industry that is wildly fragmented. So you want to take an extremely messy process, a wildly fragmented industry, weaved together by humans, and put that into one standard. It's it, that's a very uh, <laughs> a daunting task. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Martin, Maersk is, is possibly the best-known shipping company in the world. What impact has digitization had on the company, and how have you
1: adapted as a result? Yeah, I think uh, at Maersk, our purpose is—we see our purpose as facilitating global trade. Uh, Believing that that trading with each other really generates additional value and, and prosperity and opportunity for all. So, of course, uh, seeing that actually processing all the, the the documents and the paperwork is is more expensive now than shipping the cargo around the world uh, is something that we feel uh, we should do something about, and, and we actually feel that this is a, a huge opportunity uh, for for us as a company. So. Uh, over the last few years, we've really been been ramping up to uh, to take a leading role uh, in this, uh, and and also to try and get as many of the other players in the in the industry to come along exactly with the data standards. And, and maybe just back to that point, I think one of the reasons is that this is a truly global uh, industry. And every transaction has lots of parties across multiple sectors and multiple countries, and and that's where it gets really messy and difficult to agree on on the standards. Um, but I, as I said, I think it's a huge opportunity. I think um, you can look at it maybe in, in two tracks. Uh, there's one which is the the product innovation and and customer experience side. Uh, a couple of the things we've done there is the the, the trade lens uh, pl- platform that really uses blockchain to significantly improve the. Uh, the information flow and, and reduce the cost among the many players and, and of course increase the um, the validity of the documents and the information that is shared. Uh, another example is, is Captain Peter, an, an app we have uh, launched to our customer shipping refrigerated cargo where actually they can sit at home and follow the the data uh, the temperature the humidity uh, and so on of, of airflow inside the container and then they can change the settings they can change the temperature they can change the airflow uh, more nitrogen or you know whatever they would like to see inside the container they can change that on the app and and actually a moments later uh, through uh, iot th- that uh, those settings are changed on the container even in the middle of the ocean uh, so so those are a couple of, of user stories. Of course, the other track is then the operational efficiency uh, that we also talked about before. Uh, and maybe a couple of examples there, we're using weather data now to optimize the routing of all our ships. We're operating more than 700 ships. Uh, and we always have ships that are a little bit ahead of each other or behind each other and, we're using weather data from our own ships and also buying weather data from others to then optimize the, the routing of the ships that are following uh, and, and therefore, of course, uh, reducing the, uh, the fuel uh, that we use and, and, and increase the likelihood that we arrive on, t- on time at the, at the next port. Um, a more simple example is a, is a smaller app that we call Pit Stop, uh, which is really to coordinate the port stays and all the activities that need to happen within a port stay um, so so these are some of the examples that uh, that are already uh, in motion but but there's a huge opportunity we we are not very far on this journey and there's lots and lots of, of additional opportunities both on the product innovation and customer experience side and also on the operational efficiency side uh,
0: and in order to to introduce these kind of digital innovations what um, what organizational changes have you had to, to undergo um, uh, did M-Mersk, let's say five ten years ago have the the digital capabilities to uh, to develop these and it was just a matter of getting through the work or if you had to change the at least to some degree
1: the, the nature of the company and who you hire and how you operate. Yeah, we have definitely had to make uh, changes, Pete. So one of the examples was that uh, that we had to start hiring uh, data scientists and and digital uh, capabilities that we simply didn't have. And truth be told, in the beginning, it was difficult to attract people with these skill sets into a, a relatively uh, seen as a conservative and, and, and rusty industry. And now that we have attracted a number of them uh, into Maersk, uh, they actually find this incredibly exciting. Uh, the whole uh, uh, opportunity of digitalizing trade and, and, and really uh, helping to, to grow the global economy and so on uh, is, is very exciting. And, and actually, the digital challenges and opportunities are, are also very big, huge data sets, uh, lots of opportunity. Um, we have, uh, as late as in our, our latest quarterly announcement to the stock market, again reiterated that we are still hiring uh, additional uh, IT people, uh, and specifically uh, data scientists and people with, with digital capabilities. And, and in total, we're looking for several thousand additional IT people to really help us on this journey going forward.
0: Where, where do you, uh, it's obviously Versys is a global company, where do you um, situate your uh, digital capabilities? Is it everywhere, or do you have you found areas of, of specialization where you can find a degree of digital expertise, but also perhaps some knowledge of the sector?
1: Yeah, we have tried to uh, sort of find a few focus areas to also create uh, a certain scale. So so currently, uh, the three places that we have the majority of our technology people uh, is in Denmark, where our headquarters is. It's in India, uh, specifically in Bangalore. And then it's in the UK, where we also have a cluster of, uh, of technology people.
0: Uh, uh, Jenna, um, uh, Martin, there was talking about how um, perhaps traditionally... Uh, shipping wouldn't be an area where people with digital skills and digital ambitions in their careers would really think about as a, uh, a, a an opportunity for them. Is, is that changing? And, and how do you see the kind of ecosystem of digital capabilities and innovation around shipping evolving?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we've found it um, not too difficult to attract talent. And I think the reason being is that When someone comes to work, um, kind of our company or any company in shipping is, they are dealing with a very kind of complex and interesting problem, um, very interesting um, data um, and and solving something which exists in real life. They're not going and building an app to add a filter on your photos. Um, So I think for most um, very well kind of educated data scientists, engineers, um, that's actually incredibly exciting. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it is actually quite an interesting space for people.
0: Great. Uh, now, Martin, you briefly mentioned uh, the use of blockchain. I'd like to, to bring in Chris now. Um, uh, obviously, I think this is, this is one of the most discussed areas of technology relating to, to shipping and logistics is, is the application of blockchain. The idea in my understanding being that it can provide a a distributed record of transactions so that it doesn't rely on a single authority to authenticate. Uh, Chris, what impact have you seen blockchain having on trade so far? And what impact do you think it may have in future?
3: Well, as of now, I don't think it's had much of an impact. Uh, I wrote a piece for the Asia Trade Summit back in February um, on blockchain and trade finance. And there are high hopes for blockchain um in in its ability to reduce some of reduce costs around some of the things that already been discussed earlier uh in this conversation um you know that's it the paperwork and the regulations and and there's a hope that it can standardize those but standards are a big problem um if those roadblocks could be overcome, then yes, blockchain presents, um, you know, a lot of great opportunities for the trade industry. But um, those roadblocks are, are fairly high. Um, interoperability is a is a big issue. What has the potential, uh, or what is potentially the outcome of this is you have a lot of different blockchains that are siloed and not talking to each other. Um, so if, if that can be resolved, and that's a big if, um, then blockchain presents a lot of opportunities. But if it can't, then uh, what you're just doing is replicating, to a certain extent, you're replicating the paper-based
0: uh, problems that that the industry is facing now. Jenna, what are your views on uh, on blockchain in the, the as a system for the exchange of, of information between the parties in a, in a transaction?
2: I think. I mean blockchain has come in for two reasons I think one to to kind of standardize and streamline data and two um, to add more integrity um, into the system Um, I do think both those things could be solved by alternative technologies and we have to see which one wins Um, but as an example um, I think uh, there's a lot of ideas thrown around about trust and about how if we put things on one single network, which can't be um, sabotaged, that you will have more trust in a transaction. But if the data going into that system is incorrect in some way, then it's still bad data. Um, So I look at other industries for ideas on how this might be solved. Um, And one of those, I think, is the payments industry. So if you look at the what, hundreds of millions of, of payment transactions going around the world, the way uh, these payment networks are monitored are by looking at behavior um, across the system, which behaviors look strange in a transaction. And my personal belief is, if we can take those paper documents, digitize them and monitor the behavior uh, behind behind the meaning of those transactions, you probably will get to a better end outcome in identifying fraudulent or strange transactions.
3: Um, one comment uh, to that is is a uh, uh, sort of separate but related issue is that whether it's at the multilateral level, the regional or the bilateral level, in terms of state to state negotiations and trade, um, you know, countries struggle with, uh, I mean, quote unquote, old economy issues. Uh, when it comes to trade. And something like blockchain is uh, not an area where there's a great amount of understanding in terms of its benefits and how to regulate it. And I, I, I think that that presents another difficulty in terms of, of wide scale adoption is that the governments, uh, when they're negotiating trade agreements, don't know how to deal with it. Um so that that might be another like another area that that's holding back um, wide scale adoption of blockchain, or will hold it back.
1: I think maybe also maybe also important to add here that that of course blockchain is a very promising technology. I agree with with Jenna that it's not the only one that can solve this issue. I think the other thing is that this is clearly not the only issue, or I'd rather say the only opportunity that are there. There are a number of other technologies that that offer equally large opportunities for for shipping and logistics. I mean, just to mention a few, Internet of Things, uh, clearly still early in the adoption, uh, lots of opportunities to take more advantage of of that technology. Uh, Artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, lots and lots of opportunities there uh, to be explored. Uh, robotics uh, still uh, both mechanical robotics in in warehousing uh, but also robotic process automation uh, uh, is is another technology that, that clearly has not yet been been explored uh, so so lots of things uh, coming up
0: ha- has Merck
1: uh, dipped its toe in the
0: artificial intelligence waters yet are there are there tangible projects that you're pursuing
1: yeah absolutely uh, we we have a couple of things uh, going on there um, I mean, I, I guess one of the, the very common things is uh, chatbots uh, to take care of the more simple inquiries from our customers around the clock during the weekends and any time of the day. And um, another thing we are we are working on is to improve our prediction of the estimated time of arrival of a uh, shipment, also using uh, AI for, for that uh, estimation. Great. So... Digitization
0: of the processes of actually shipping goods is, of course, not the only way that that digital technology and trade interact. Possibly even more important is the way that uh, goods are are bought and sold. Uh, Chris, uh, to what extent has e-commerce changed the shape of international trade? What have we seen in the last 20 years or so of the increased volume and the increased ability to find suppliers and customers? internationally over the internet what impact has that had
3: i mean it's had it's had a massive impact there have been if you look at it a, there couple of ways of looking at it, but um, you know the big MNCs, the multinational companies, have been able to structure their supply chains uh, somewhat separate from e- e-commerce, but you've also had a lot of SMEs, small and medium-sized enterprises, that have been able to uh, create international supply chains through platforms like Alibaba, Amazon, and others. Um, for the shipping industry, and I'll allow Jenna and Martin to speak, speak about this. Uh, I'm not sure that it's had, um, uh, e-commerce has had as huge an impact as it had as it, on air freight, um, uh, and small packages. When I was, I was in, um, uh, Azerbaijan earlier this year at the World Customs Organization annual summit and the e-commerce is a m- massive issue for, Uh, customs authorities because of the large volume of small packages Um, you know over the last 30 40 50 years you've had containerization and and um, the that has enabled trade throughout the world but you've got now uh, packages coming in higher volume and smaller sizes and that tends to overwhelm uh, customs authority. So it's created a real problem for them. Um, so it's it's had its benefits, but it's it's also not without its costs.
0: So shipping, like uh, any industry at the moment, is under increasing pressure to to govern and manage its environmental impacts. And obviously, a large degree of, of carbon emissions comes from the, the transport sector more generally. Uh, Martin, to what extent does the decarbonization of shipping, et cetera, uh, overlap with uh, the, the agenda to digitize?
1: What, what for example, is MERSC doing in this area? There definitely overlaps, uh, Pete. So as you say, transportation uh, is responsible for uh, for a part of the, the global emissions. Uh, and uh, although shipping is already many times uh, less uh, polluting than air freight or road or rail, then it's still a a significant part, and and we take our responsibility quite seriously to tackle this. So at MERSC, we have uh, publicly announced early this year that we have an ambition to be carbon neutral in in 2050. And while that sounds uh, far away, then the reality is that with the length of the life cycle of uh, assets in the shipping industry, it really means that we need to have carbon neutral ships on the water in 2030, so just about uh, 10 years away. Um, We don't have all the technology that is required to achieve that uh, ambition yet, Uh, so we have made a call out to all our partners and and to other people in the industry uh, to really uh, double down on research and development in this area, And, and, and we are, of course, doing our fair share of that. Um, and, and digitalization will, will help that. It'll be part of the innovation uh, I mentioned before, using weather data to optimize the, the routes. But of course, if we're still sailing on heavy fuel oil, then uh, then that's uh, not going to take away the uh, the emissions. Um, but as an example, we right now have a uh, first ship as a pilot uh, sailing around the, the oceans on uh, used cooking oil. Um, and uh, and that's actually that's working. The engine uh, can take that and can uh, can can use that for propulsion. And and the vessel is right now sailing back and forth between Europe and Asia uh, using used cooking oil as the fuel.
0: Great. So whenever we talk about trade, people immediately think about goods. And obviously, we have two, two, two of you representing the sort of the shipping industry. But but uh, in fact, trade in services is. Uh, international trade in services is growing rather faster than trading goods. Chris, wh- why is that? And what role has digital technology played in that story so far?
3: Well, I think there's two elements to that. Uh, one is that um, there are services that are embedded in trading goods, right? So as goods cross borders. There are all of the various uh, services that we've discussed in the course of this conversation. Um, You know, accounting, legal, financial. Those are services that go into uh, making sure that goods cross border or enabling goods across borders. But then there are also services in and of themselves, and those services, uh, the growth in those services over the last ten years has, as you said, outpaced growth in trading goods, Um, and, and. And mostly that's been supported by, underpinned by um, the ability of data to flow across borders, um, which is coming under increasing threat Uh, now uh, as countries seek to create national clouds and to prevent um, citizens' data from leaving their own country. There are the you know the growth in in services trade and services uh, has been great and has a, as we said outpaced trade in goods, but that could um, slow down significantly unless there are agreements that are reached between countries about um, protecting data and enabling data to to cross borders.
0: Okay, so to close, I'd like to ask you, Jenna and Martin. Uh, where is this taking us? Where is the digitization of, of, of shipping and, and more broadly trade um, taking the world? In 10 years time, how will things look different and what needs to happen for us to get there? And I'll let to start with you, Jenna.
2: So maybe I'll give you kind of a framework rather than a kind of absolute prediction. Um, I think we can look at the past um, to see how tech will be adopted in this space. So, for example, if you look at the telephone, which took maybe 50 years or so to adopt, and then mobile phones, which were more incremental, uh, which took probably less than 10. I think if you look at why this is fundamentally getting people to change their behavior is extremely difficult. And logistics is extremely fragmented and is weaved together by, by humans. And a lot of people kind of forget that. So... I think the technology that is likely to win here is those that require a kind of tweak rather than a radical change in, in human behavior. And so if you have that and you have something that kind of really provides meaningful value to organizations, then you have the recipe for something that could start to change the, the future for, for digital trade. Um, I guess we're still to figure out what, what that will be.
0: Great. And same question to you, Martin. Where, where is this taking us?
1: Well, I uh, certainly hope and also believe that this is taking us to a world where the customer experience is significantly improved in in this industry over the next 10 years. I also think it'll take us to a significantly lower cost of uh, producing uh, these services and and trading. Uh, And hopefully, uh, in combination, that will then lead to additional trade, which will uh, positively contribute to growth and prosperity and and without harming the, the planet. Um, obviously, digitalization is not the only force uh, in, in, in this whole game, so other things uh, could, could be impacting this as well, but, but at least this is what I'm hoping and, and also what I'm expecting to see, to be honest, over the next decade. But I agree with Jenna that um, there is a behavioral element here, and it will take time for people to adopt this. It's generally not the invention of new technology that is lacking behind. It is the implementation and, and, and people changing their behaviors, but, but I'm optimistic. Uh, Martin, Jenna, and Chris, thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the EIU Digital Economy Podcast. And thanks again to our sponsors, DXC, an independent IT services company that specializes in digital transformation. If you hadn't already done so, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. Tune in next time when we'll be discussing the impact of the internet on global culture.